Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. In our series, we've learned that God uses the wilderness to test us, to teach us, and today we'll see that he uses it to humble us. No greater place for that to be illustrated than right here at the Grand Canyon. I mean, take a look at this. If this doesn't humble you, if this doesn't make you feel small, nothing will. 2,904 miles of majestic beauty. Just to give you a sense of the size, that's larger than the state of Rhode Island. The Grand Canyon, from its valleys to its peaks, so enormous that the temperature can range from 25 degrees from the bottom all the way to the top. To say this is a hostile environment is an understatement. In fact, an average of 12 people die every year right here at Grand Canyon National Park. So if you don't respect it, it's gonna humble you. And this is the power of the wilderness. It can humble the most prideful person. In this kind of hostile environment, it will break you down to your very core. You know, one of the TV shows that I enjoy watching is a show called Alone. And it's a show about survivalists who they drop off in the middle of the wilderness with nothing but a backpack and they see how long you can survive. It's amazing, harsh weather, aggressive wildlife, some of the most trained, dedicated, devoted survivalists in all of the land, and guess what? After nine seasons, the wilderness always wins. Hunger, cold, isolation, discouragement takes out some of the most prideful, competent people in this area. You know, that's why I think God chose to take so many people into the wilderness before he did something great in them. When you're out here and you're stripped from all of your comfort, your necessities, and at times even your identity, you become extremely teachable. That's why some of our elite military forces take those young recruits and they break them down before they can build them up. Why? Because in those moments, they're humble and they're teachable. Today we're going to look at a familiar Bible character that many of you may know. But before we look at our main character, I want to remind you that the amount of work that God had to do in his heart before he could use him for something greatness. Any guesses where God chose to break him down, to humble him before he could build him up? You got it. God chose the wilderness. Today we're going to look at the 11th son of Jacob, the firstborn son of his favorite wife, Rachel. If you haven't guessed yet, today we're going to take a look at the life of Joseph. And we're going to see today through God's Word, as we look at Joseph's life, what we're inspired by Joseph is really at the end of his life. We're reminded about how this man was able to forgive those that had hurt him, forgive those that had wronged him, forgotten about him, even forgave some of those that were closest to him. But that's not where Joseph started. You see, none of us are born. We don't come out of the womb being men and women of great forgiveness. Somebody said this, the proud never admit when they may be wrong or their perception may be biased or just plain wrong. But the humble, on the other hand, seek to see God's perspective, even if it means they find fault in themselves. As we look at Joseph's life, and especially those early formative years, we can see a little bit of this spirit of pride. And it shouldn't surprise us. Right? The firstborn son to Jacob's favorite wife. Jacob even went on later on to give Joseph a coat of many colors, which continued to just reinforce this idea that you're special, you're different. In fact, even early on, God appeared through dreams to Joseph, and in these dreams, 
he interpreted to him that one day Joseph's brothers would bow down before Joseph. The challenge is, with this kind of information, Joseph didn't respond with humility, or did he respond really with some maturity. He went right to his brothers to share this dream, and you can imagine how that went with his brothers. In fact, the very first place that Joseph's name is mentioned in Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 7. Joseph is 17 years old, but it gives us some insight into the tension that was between him and his brothers. Genesis chapter 37, verse 2, And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. This guy's a little tattletale. Has any of you have a brother or sister who's a tattletale? If you don't have a brother or sister who's a tattletale, then guess what? You are probably the tattletale. Well, this is the thing. Can you imagine, in this moment in time, had God put Joseph in a position of authority at this point of his spiritual maturity and growth, the challenges that would have come from that? Joseph, age 17, he's proud, he's a tattletale, he's a bragger, he speaks down to people, he lacks some discernment on knowing what to say and when to say it and how to say it. You put that kind of person in the second seat of command over all of Egypt, and we're heading for problems. An immature leader with some narcissistic tendencies who has no checks and balances, you can imagine there's gonna be some collateral damage. And God knows this in a sovereign plan. And so God moves Joseph to the wilderness. Now I wanna remind you what we're gonna read next. God did not author this, but he did permit it. If you've got your Bibles, if you go to Genesis chapter 37, if you got your phones, go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes will be there. And together, let's learn how God can produce humility in our lives through the circumstances of the wilderness. You know, it's that story of, of Joseph, right, that we're reminded of this important principle, that who I am is less important than who I am becoming. Some of you just need to be reminded of that truth today, that who you are today is less important than who you are becoming in Christ. There's great hope in that. And in Genesis chapter 37, I mean, Joseph is at this point, boy, he is a work in progress, right? Pride has a hold of his heart. Entitlement is the filter that he runs through all of his actions and activities. Discernment is at shorthand in this life. He is far from ready to become the second most powerful man behind Pharaoh in all of Egypt. Power at this point in his spiritual development, his character development, it would have simply just been poison to his very soul. So God uses the wilderness not to punish him, but to prepare him for the destiny that God has for them. This whole series, we've been reminded, I said it earlier, but right, the wilderness. God uses the wilderness for three things, to humble us, to test us, and ultimately to teach us. And today, we're gonna learn one of the hardest lessons and one of the most difficult places to apply that lesson, and that's in the issue of forgiveness in our lives. And this is a lesson, as we look at the life of Joseph, listen, friends, Joseph has to learn this lesson. If he's gonna fulfill the destiny that God has on his life, this is the part of his heart that he really has to have victory in. So that's what we're gonna see this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, again, Genesis chapter seven, lexcity.info, all the sermon notes are there. Pride, right? Pride is the killer of relationships. Somebody once says, pride has broken more hearts than love ever will. <laughs> and there's probably some truth to that. 
So we pick up the story and listen to the strain in the relationship between Joseph and his brothers. Genesis 37. And they saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And they will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what has become of his dreams. Do you hear the disdain? It's hard to get 11 brothers to agree on anything, but the one thing they're united about is disdain for this brother. You can hear it in the words. Here's the dreamer. Let's see what his dreams are now, right? They begin to conspire against him. This is who Joseph was in chapter 37. But the great part is this is not who Joseph became, as we'll see at the end of the story. And this transformation in the life of Joseph, it was so significant that God allotted, think about this, 13 chapters in the first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, from 37 all the way to 50. 13 chapters for something for us to learn. God says, I need you to understand this. And we learn tons about the story of Joseph and life lessons, but the one undeniable truth that shows up over and over again is the power and the lesson of forgiveness. Now listen, I've preached lots of sermons on forgiveness. You've heard lots of sermons. You've heard lots of talks. You've read lots of books on forgiveness, all right? So today, in our limited time, here's what I wanna do today. I wanna take just a moment and really kind of lock into one aspect of forgiveness. I wanna look at the relationship today between pride and pride being a hindrance for us experiencing the freedom of forgiveness. This was the lesson that Joseph had to learn. So today, we're gonna do this. We're gonna focus on the thing that we can control when it comes to forgiveness. It's us, right? We can control our hearts, our responses, our humility. Jeremiah and Brittany just shared their story, right? Amidst all of the circumstances, they could not control doctors, situations, but the one thing they can control is their own heart. How do we deal with this? So we think about that. Let me just take a moment and define forgiveness for us in maybe a little different way, right? I think two kinds of forgiveness. One's one-sided forgiveness, right? Forgiving those who don't ask for it, don't deserve it, and haven't even repented from the things that they've done, right? This is where one-sided forgiveness comes in. Joseph's brothers were nowhere to be found in this moment of the story. Joseph had to do some work in forgiveness when his brothers weren't there. Why? They shipped into a whole other country. Joseph's now in Egypt all by himself. And we know this, that Joseph had to do some work on one-sided forgiveness long before he ever faced his brothers. We'll see at the end of the story, face to face. This is the kind of forgiveness that Jesus offered, right? While hanging on the cross, what does he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. They weren't repenting. They weren't sorrowful for what they'd done. They didn't deserve any kind of forgiveness, and yet Jesus grants them forgiveness. Why would we do that? Why would we offer forgiveness for somebody who doesn't want it, doesn't deserve it, hasn't even fully repented of what they have done for it? Here's what we're gonna see today, that this kind of forgiveness is so important because it allows you to move on. Otherwise, you're going to be held hostage to someone or some circumstances that may never change. Your health, your happiness.
happiness, your spiritual growth are gonna be hinged and dependent on a person who is incapable at this moment in time of giving you what you need to be able to move on, right? So then we remain a victim of their unhealth because it has a place in our heart that's so powerful. That's why God says, and the Bible commands, right? Forgive one another. Why? Because God knows us. He created us. He knows our hearts. He knows it's important for us for emotional health on different things. And he says, listen, you've got to forgive because forgiveness unhinges you from the baggage of resentment. You've got to learn to forgive because it's the only thing that's going to break that chain and free you from that thing that is there. It's the thing that's going to allow you to have emotional and spiritual, even some physical health if you'll learn to forgive, even when the person or the circumstance that you want to forgive, they may not be physically present. They might have passed on. They might have been in a different time. They might be emotionally present in such a way saying, listen, there's this one side forgiveness that you've got to learn to release that. There's the other side of forgiveness. It's two-sided forgiveness. Forgiveness that has the desire, that's the key, desire for restoration of the relationship, right? When the person who's the offender, when they come to a point of confession and repentance and their desire is to restore what has been broken, two-sided forgiveness. If you're like me, this is the hard one because you gotta find two parties, right, <laughs> that are now gonna deal with one another in a spirit of humility, that they're gonna squelch their pride and say, together, we've gotta figure out how to restore what is broken. This is the kind of forgiveness we're gonna see at the end of the story, with Joseph and his brothers, when together they experience this. But let's not jump ahead, let me kind of build to that moment of that kind of forgiveness. Life of Joseph, if anybody has a right to be angry and bitter, to hold a grudge, it, it was Joseph. Let me just give you some highlights of his life. And as I list some of these, for some of you, it's gonna trigger some things to say, oh yeah, I can relate to that. Oh yeah, that's a little bit of my story. That's the thing that if I'm not careful, has a hold, a hold of my heart in different ways. So let's look at Joseph's story. Born into a dysfunctional family with an enabling father from the very get-go, right? Listen, can I just, you have no control over the family that you were born into. And not all families have created an equal starting point for life. Some of you, you've experienced pain and disappointment from the moment you left the womb. And I, and I wish I could fix that and I wish I could take that away. I'm sorry <laughs> that that is your truth. Can I just remind you, you didn't deserve it. You didn't create it. It was not your fault but it's part of your story. It's part of your forgiveness story. It's part of Joseph's story. This was what he was born into. So this was a family, and this dysfunction was so dynamic that Joseph experiences at a young age, in his teen years, he experiences some of the deepest level of hurt, right? Sold into slavery, Genesis chapter 37. Some heavy stuff. That's where he faces. Some of you have experienced that kind of betrayal, from the people that should have cared for you, that should have protected you, that should have believed in you, you understand that kind of pain. And that hurts deep and its significance. And can I just say to you, that's the kind of pain that you've gotta find freedom and forgiveness from. 
Otherwise, you're going to carry it into the next generation. Wounded children become wounded parents. I said all the way through this series, listen, we're going to talk about some of this stuff, and it's, we'll journey with you, but friends, you, these are places you've got to do some of the work, and it's hard. And some of you, that's a little bit of your story. It was certainly Joseph. Chapter 39, we move on. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph, right? Joseph remains pure. Joseph does the right thing, and yet she feels scorned that she was turned down by this young man, and so she goes to tell her husband. They foster up a lie, then they end up throwing Joseph into prison uh, that he's there for a crime he did not do. You ever, have you ever done the right thing and faced negative consequences? You ever had integrity at work and lost a client? You ever made tough choices on Friday night? And lost a friend group? Ever had somebody just flat out lie about you? Slander you? I mean, these are all the wounds that are hard to work through. This is Joseph, right? We're in chapter 39. Move on to chapter 40. Now he's in jail. If you're familiar with the story, he comes across the chief baker, shares a dream. Joseph interprets it. And the baker makes a promise to him. Listen, when I get out, I will say a good word to Pharaoh on your behalf. Well, he gets out, and he forgets to mention that. You ever experienced that? You ever had promises given to you, promises broken? Over and over, Joseph experiences that he got, he's gone in these few chapters from being the, the most favored to now the most forgotten, sitting in a prison cell, mistreated, injustice, his wilderness. That's where he finds him. And in these moments, Joseph has a decision, Right? He's either going to take the pain of all the misjustice done and let it fester in his heart and become angry and bitter. But that's not where he goes. Scripture doesn't give us. It'd be fascinating to know. It'd be great sometime to ask Joseph. But we know this. We see this change in this young man from the beginning in these circumstances to the young man we see in chapter 50. In chapter 50, eventually he's going to meet his brothers. And he responds to them, rather than with anger and retaliation, he responds to them with humil humility and grace towards them. It's not the same guy. Somewhere, God has done a transformational work in his heart from 37 all the way to 50. And this is the hope for you and I, right? The pain and the struggle that you've gone, the unforgiveness that sits in your heart, friends, the great news is it doesn't have to stay there that God can offer you forgiveness and hope, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that. It's less important of who you are than who you are becoming, and that certainly is the story of Joseph. So we move on to the story towards the end, and now we have this moment when Joseph is facing the, his brothers, right? The source of his pain, the source of all the dysfunction was there, and at this point, Joseph has elevated to second in command. He has all the power, all the authority to elicit punishment, Payback can make all things right. He has the ability to do this. Or he has the ability to unhinge himself from the baggage of unforgiveness and respond in humility. God has used these wilderness years in his life to humble him. But now's the moment of test, right? It's so easy sometimes. It's not always easy, but it's easy to say, oh, I forgive you, or please forgive me. 
But when the actions take, circumstances are always going to give evidence of the heart change that's there. So this is the moment of test, right? His brothers are before him. The ball's in Joseph's court. All power, all authority. He could justify to do whatever he wants. 22 years have passed, right? He's now elevated to the governor of Egypt. In fact, even the dream that God had told him that his brothers would bow down before him has happened. So he's justified. The things I told you actually came true. All of this is here. We, but we see it in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Powerful words. Thus he comforted them, spoke kindly to them, cared not only for them, but the little ones that they were responsible for. Why? God had done this amazing thing in Joseph's heart. He now has the spirit not of retaliation, but a spirit of restoration. And where did that come? It came out of humility. Let me just give you evidence today, a little more evidence of the humility of Joseph's life. Now, again, this, this is a context. Remember this. His brothers have come into the court where Joseph is at, and he's, he's getting ready to reveal himself to his brothers. And in this moment, sometime I want to preach this whole thing on Joseph. He gives us four or five steps to healthy restoration that are fantastic. But today we're just going to focus in on the one. So here we are in this court, and here is the litmus test. If you want to know if there's true humility in your heart, in the area of forgiveness, here's what it is. Because context will always give evidence of the heart. Go back to verse 45. His brothers are before him. First time, Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried. Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. Then Joseph made himself known to his brothers. What's Joseph do? Joseph says, listen, I'm gonna have everybody leave, everybody leave the room. Here's, here's how you know you're humble in forgiveness. All right? Think about in this room, Joseph was a man of power and authority. There were not only other governors, there were probably slaves. There's a lot of people in this room as his brothers come. And here's the indication of the humility. Joseph says, leave the room. Great principle. Don't bring people into the situation who are not involved, who can't fix it, and can add nothing to the situation. All people can do that are on the outside fringe is just bring gossip into the context that they're, but here's the problem, right? That's humility. Pride always wants an audience. Pride always wants an audience. Pride wants to post, listen, I had this opportunity where I forgave, right? Pride wants to share under the guise of a prayer request things that are going on. Pride wants to tell anybody that will listen, this is how I felt, this is what I did, on and on, right? And here's the challenge. Pride doesn't care for the other person's reputation it only tries to build up its own at the expense of others. You ever reconciled with somebody, but the collateral damage of their words were so great and the, gossip, and the gossip that they spread, it was really hard to come back from? You ever had one of those moments? There's a great little folk tale told, told in the 19th century. There was this young man who was slandering the wise man of the town and of the village over and over. But one day, this young man decided, I need to go to the old wise man and ask for forgiveness. 
So he comes to the wise, old wise man to ask for this, and the wise man discerning that the young man hasn't fully internalized the gravity of his transgressions, tells him that he would forgive him, but he would do it only under one condition. He says, I want you to go home, I want you to grab a pillow, one of your feather pillows, and I want you to cut it right down the middle, and then I want you to shake it and spread it out within the wind. Young man says, all right, that sounds pretty good. I thought this was gonna be a whole lot harder than just doing that. I think I'm getting off pretty easy, pretty easy penance, right? So he quickly runs home, grabs his pillow, slices it in half, shakes his feathers out, and then runs back to the old man's home to say, listen, am I now forgiven? <laughs> and the old man says, well, just one more thing. The wise man says, I want you now to go and I want you to gather up all of the feathers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Young man, that's impossible. The wind has scattered them here and by and everywhere around. <laughs> and the folktale simply goes this. The wise man responded precisely. And though you may truly wish to correct the evil you have done, it's impossible to repair the damage done by your words as it is recovered, as it is for you to recover all of the feathers. Your words are out there in the marketplace, spreading hate even as you speak. Pride always wants an audience. Joseph says, clear the room. If you're not involved, if you can't fix it, if you can't make a difference in the context of this relational tension that we have, I, I need you to just leave the room. Now listen, that's a powerful statement because pride always wants an audience. Listen, this would have boosted Joseph's reputation all throughout Egypt. Slaves who were there, other governors who were there would have, would have spread the word quickly. Oh, this Joseph, he's unbelievable. You and his brothers came. I didn't know. They sold him. In this, did you hear that? They sold him into slavery. And Joseph, what a kind guy. What a forgiving guy. Joseph forgives him in this moment. Listen, Joseph's reputation could have gone on, but listen, it would have come at the cost. He would have destroyed the reputation of his brothers. He would have demolished his family name in this new country. See, true forgiveness doesn't bring people into it that have nothing to do with it. So Joseph says this, I'm gonna clear the room so I can deal with those that are involved in hopes of we can have true restoration. Sometimes, you kinda hear what I'm saying. Sometimes we run our mouth so much that even if we get to the point of restoring the relationship with the person who offended or was offending us, the collateral damage is so great you can't ever bring it back. That wasn't a fun sermon to try to prep on. <laughs> God has reminded me, man, there were times I should have cleared the room, but I wanted you to know how bad I was hurt. Well, I wanted you to understand that I was misunderstood. I wanted you to understand how godly I was that I would forgive. No, no, pride always demands an audience. God did something amazing in Joseph's life. That in chapter 50, when he had every right, he said, clear the room. I'm more concerned that I could actually restore a relationship with you and your reputation than I am about mine. So here's the question for us this morning. How has pride hurt your forgiveness? Right? If you're like me, whenever I feel entitled, humility tends to diminish. 
When I feel entitled, then things like this, right? How could they say that about me? Don't they know the sacrifices I've made? Don't they know what I've done, right? How could they possibly do these things? How could this company, how could this organization treat me this way? I've given my best years to this organization and at the end they treat me this way, I deserved better, right? How dare you judge me? I know you. I know all the stuff about you. How hypocritical for you, to, you know how that goes, right? At the heart, you don't deserve to be forgiven. I'm not gonna take you off the hook. You've caused me pain. I'm not gonna let you go without any pain, right? You don't deserve the graciousness of being forgiven. I hope you stew with this, right? I just don't deserve this. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a beautiful word when we need to receive it, and it's such an ugly word when we've gotta give it. But there's two sides of the coin. Everybody who must give forgiveness, we are all people who have received forgiveness ourselves. Dr. Tony Evans says it this way, don't destroy a bridge that you yourself will have to walk one day. Humility. So I mentioned to you in this series that one of our commitments is us as a church is we wanna walk with you through these wilderness topics. The hard part is you're gonna do the work, right? So let me give you a couple ways that we can help on this one, because this is so big. Forgiveness is the thing that unhinges your heart and your emotions from the baggage of those past. We've got a couple things that are coming up. This Thursday is our first Thursday for our recovery ministry. And uh, it's a great night. We just get to share stories and encouragement there. We've got some groups that meet every single week with just men and women who are walking through similar issues. If you've been dealing with this thing for a long time, like I just need to figure out how to unhinge myself, that's a great step. If you're really serious about like, man, I've got to be done with this because I know this wounded children become wounded parents and I don't wanna pass this thing on generationally and I'm, I'm ready to do some really hard stuff. October 14th on a Saturday, uh, we've got a, a day called Breaking Free. It's a full day intensive where you'll be with somebody, they'll pray with you, walk with you. There's some steps there that kind of help you towards freedom in that. And if you're serious about that, it's on lexcity.info, but that is a great day to say, hey, I'm just, I need to put this to past. I need to bury this thing and, and move forward in the freedom God has for me. That's a great opportunity to that. Next Sunday, we're gonna get to hear great stories of people who have experienced this kind of forgiveness from God in their relationship with him. It's Baptism Sunday, and we're gonna get a chance to hear stories of men and women who have placed their faith in Jesus and are now going public. It's a wonderful morning. If you've never been baptized, You've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you say, I'm ready to go public with my faith. Uh, we'd love to invite you to be a part of that. That's on lexcity.info. But those are ways that we're gonna journey with you in this process. But let me do this this morning. Just a little different. If you're visiting this morning, a little different for us. If you're like me, God has reminded me there were times, again, I, I should have cleared the room, and I chose not to because I wanted everybody to understand the misjustice. And I wanted you to know because pride demands an audience. And God really reminds me, there's places in my life I, I gotta re-clear the room. From this point on, the room gets cleared on this topic or on this, kind of, and that may be you today. So we're gonna do this. I'm gonna close in prayer this morning. And then I'm just gonna have the keys play. And we just wanna, in a spirit of prayer, you can welcome to leave whenever you'd like. But if you'd like to come down and just do a little time with you and the Lord this morning before you head off. Maybe it's just a minute of saying, God, from this moment on, help me in this issue. I, I need to clear the room. 
God, in this area, I, it's a one-sided forgiveness and I've got to just put it, whatever it is. Our prayer team would be down here front. Had some folks last hour too that just needed some encouragement. They'd love to come and pray with you and journey with you on that. But I'm going to pray. Then we're going to close and then you just take this time to do whatever the Lord knows on it. The life of Joseph. Forgiveness was critical on him accomplishing the destiny that God had on his life. For some of you, this is the thing that's just been weighing you down. It's stolen your joy. It's, you feel victimized by it. And can I just encourage you? One little step. It begins today to acknowledge the fact that my pride is playing a part of the process. <laughs> my pride likes to hang on to this. And today, I, God, I just want to give it to you. And let's take the next step in this journey through the wilderness together. So I'll pray, and then you just do whatever God lays on your heart. If not, look forward to seeing you back next Sunday. So glad you're here. Father, this morning we deal with this tough, oh, this tough challenge of forgiveness. And God, you know that, so you designated 13 chapters in the very first book of the Bible to say, let me tell you a story <laughs> about a young man who had dysfunction and injustice and lied about and had all the reasons to let his heart get bitter. And let me just tell you the story about the transformational power of God in his life. And at the end of the day, he breaks the chains of generational unforgiveness. At the end of the day, he looks to a crowd of people and just says, it's time to clear the room. I care more about your relationship and your reputation that we're just gonna do this thing together. God, I know for most all of us, that's our desire. Help us to be men and women whose pride can be put down far enough and a humility that can go. Help us to be people who can forgive because we have been forgiven so that we can ultimately reach the preferred future and the destiny that you have for us. In Jesus' name. So Lord, be with us even in these moments as your spirit moves in your name. Amen. Amen. You move. Thanks again for being here. We'll look forward to seeing you back next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.